Hello, Serpent Sluts. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Serpent Cast. It's Virgo season, and you know what that means. It's time to go back to school. Astrologer Rebecca Gordon's online beginner's astrology class is back for its 13th year, and Serpent Cast listeners get a special 20% off discount. You just have to use the link in the code located in our show notes, or you can find the link and code over at my website, AnnabelleGatt.com. And while you're over there at AnnabelleGatt.com, you can also read your monthly horoscope for September. On today's episode, Nicole Perkins, a writer and podcaster who co-hosts Thirst Aid Kit, swings by to talk about her book of poetry, Lilith But Dark, and her spiritual journey. But before we start, we do want to give a special shout out to our Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much for supporting us. It's because of you that this podcast has any decent sound quality. So thank you so much to lovely Lauren, Mahak, Sally, Amanda, Ashley, Manolo, Amelie, Amanda, Jen, Herb and Alchemy, Louise, and Krista. All right, let's dive in with Nicole Perkins into Lilith But Dark. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Serpent Cast. I am Annabelle Gatt, and I'm here with Sophie St. Thomas. And tonight we are joined by Nicole Perkins. Hi. Hi, Nicole. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yes. The Serpent Slut question What is your sign, and what is your Hogwarts house? Oh, okay. Um, my sign is Aries. I don't remember all of my, like, moon and all that i just know my sun is that's aries. cool and yeah. oh i think my moon is aries as well because i think i have oh, so oh, much aries aries. yeah i have aries in two um yeah and then i don't know hogwarts stuff because i've never seen or read anything harry potter do I'm, you want us to sort you into a house sure okay yes. i'm gonna give you two choices and okay. then i want you to go with the one that you feel most called to okay so you would probably either be in Gryffindor or Slytherin. Okay. Gryffindor is Harry Potter's house. Okay. It's like the house of like bravery and like, you know, it's it's like the fiery house. Okay. And then there's also Slytherin, which Sophie and I are members of. And this is the snake house and you're the year of the snake. Yeah. So yes. you could probably go to one of those two. There's okay. also Hufflepuff, which is like the do-gooder's house. And then there's Ravenclaw, which is like the nerd house. Mm, yeah, I don't think either of those two will work for me. Um, what's the other one? So Slytherin and... Gryffindor. Gryffindor. I don't know. The Slytherin kind of cost to me. Yay! <laughs> I, got, I got Slytherin from the book, yes. to be honest. I mean, some of them... You're, the title is a Slytherin title. It is. And there's a lot of bravery in your poems. Mm. Which at first, when I was like trying to sort you in my own head as we were doing this, I was like, oh, Gryffindor, like... You had to be so brave to, like, say the things you're saying. And some of them, to me, just, like, shout bravery, even if they're about sad things, which is exactly what I need right now, which is why I think I was touched so much by the book. All I'm trying to say is that I could see you in either, but three Slytherins. Three Slytherins. Yeah. So, Nicole. Yeah. You are a Christian. Yes. And, but you're also very witchy. Yes. So, (laughs) this is proof to anyone at home who's, like... I'm Christian. Can I do witchy things? Mm-hmm. I so many people do, and you're one of them. Yeah. Um, so I was raised AME, which stands for African Methodist Episcopal, and that is 
not to bring in such a downer reminder, but the um, nine deaths in the Charleston church, uh, it's been a couple of years ago. That's the denomination I grew up under. And that started during slavery times when black people were not allowed to come down to worship. And so uh, this man, um, whose name I forgot right now, um, but he went and created a different church and denomination so that uh, the slaves could worship as they or were instructed but not allowed to do, yeah. right? Okay, so that's that that's that history. I resented the ritual of going to church every Sunday and sitting in the church. I didn't think the sermons were for children, but I was still supposed to go and get something out of it and still have this great epiphany. I resented that whole thing. I started to go to a different church when I lived in Los Angeles, and I went to um, this mega church. But I was really depressed while I was there, so I was looking for something, right? I was looking for something to make everything make sense. To I have been there so many times, yeah. and you don't have to say anything else. <laughs> <laughs> to, make it, to make it feel like, okay, I know that I'm going through something, so there has to be something on the other side of this depression. And the only thing that I knew really at the time was Christianity. But um, the church that I was going to, the pastor was uh, not good he was embezzling funds and you know all this kind of stuff and it really soured me on the church so again I just felt like I needed something and one of my really good friends Cynthia she participates in African-based religions and she casts spells and stuff like that and I was really intrigued by it and I felt I felt that it was calling me a little bit so I had this dream where this woman kind of looked like me but wasn't me was walking on water and she held her hand out to me and there was fire in her hand and she just reached it out to me and I woke up and I asked some friends afterwards like who is that and one woman told me it was Oya and it just felt really good that that felt right and so I looked up Oya and she is this spirit who kind of commands tornadoes and changes and transitions and things like that and that felt right because I have a thing about tornadoes which kind of comes up a lot in the book Lilith but dark and I think that's because um where I'm from in Nashville we, we get tornadoes a lot so the tornadoes always call to me like this tornadoes are magical yeah this, I know like, I've only been in one but it was like it's a really strange beautiful chaos I'm fascinated by them I yeah. I grew up I don't mean per- to say that they're magical to anyone who's had a had hard a, time in a tornado right. obviously no. but being safe in a tornado is a very this is going to sound terrifying it. but so i grew i grew i'm from the virgin islands and mm-hmm. so hurricanes is what i know yeah but what people maybe some people listening might know but a hurricane can like spawn like a hundred little baby tornadoes yes and that is fucking terrifying <laughs> like, <Yes>. like <laughs> anyways yes. tell us yeah. tell us about tornadoes uh, so tornadoes you can be honestly in the center of one and it's very calm right it's this very like eerie calmness where you're in the middle of silence kind of but the tornado itself is howling and it's mad and it's it's just I can't think of anything else but chaos um but again it's like this beautiful thing because it's so contained and then it'll pick up everything around it and throw it all over the place and then as soon as the tornado is gone it's like it was never there except for the mess that it leaves behind and it's like this muggy kind of heat that's left you know because you know it's bringing moisture like the technical stuff all this around it it's bringing all this moisture and heat and you know you just it's this muggy nightmare but I just I just feel really drawn to them and again I I 
can't say why. I don't know if it's just, you know, the nature of having grown up in a place where there were a lot of tornadoes. So Nashville is this kind of like city life, but also country thing. Um, and it's one of the few times where you can actually hear animals stop moving and go silent. During before, the tornado? Like, yeah, like before the tornado. You know, like animals will give you a little warning. Yeah, yeah, you know, and then they'll stop. And you like all of a sudden you feel alone wherever you are because the animals have left, right? Because they feel whatever is coming. And so um, the forearm hairs pop up and you get this like strange tingling because the air is electrified, right? Yeah. It's like this strange thing happening. And if you're, some people just don't feel it. They can only see like, oh, there's dark clouds coming in or whatever. But if you're really... I think I'm a little sensitive to it, so you can feel all of that. And if you're kind of a quiet person, you can pick up all that. So for me, I guess that's why I'm so drawn to them, because I felt like I would sense this kind of stuff, like, I don't want to say with the animals, but like I would just pay attention to what was going on around. You're and, in touch with nature. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little yeah. bit. So, um, and you know, I would sit outside on my porch a lot, and I remember one time when I was very, very little, being outside reading and in like the backyard with a um, blanket and everything and a tornado was coming and it's not even it wasn't even close but it was still close enough and I just remember like oh no something's happening you know and feeling that yeah so tornadoes get me so after my friend identified Oya and I felt drawn to her and then I had this woman give a reading for me to tell me who my Orishas were and she told me Oshun and uh, Obatala and I didn't really like focus in on it or whatever at the time and then I kind of felt back into Christianity I felt scared a little bit I had tarot cards and I gave them away so I was like <laughs> oh no you know because you know southern christians are very much like oh everything is of the devil right and so i was like okay let me get rid of that and i was also really good friends with a woman who was very devout and was you know but when i left los angeles and moved back home to nashville again i just felt really drawn and i my friend cynthia and i would you go over to her house for the full moon or the new moon and we would do i would follow her lead because she knew more about about this than i did and the two of us we would have our little mini ceremonies and rituals honoring our ancestors and the moon and speaking forth the things that we wanted to happen. And those things have been happening. But while also we're, while we're giving those kind of incantations and manifestations, trying to like pull those things off, we were still like saying amen and thank God and like pulling everything that we knew together. And it seems, I don't want to say it's working, but I feel in harmony with it all, so I don't feel like they're fighting. I don't feel like there's anything bad happening in the mix. So, yeah, so it's a kind of roundabout thing, but... I mean, people sometimes ask me, like, why isn't my magic working? And mm. the reason why magic doesn't work is because you're not feeling it. Mm. And no matter what you're saying, as long as you're saying something that, like, you really feel and that you deep feel deeply in your spirit, like, if you, like... I, I don't mean to say that, like, you know, all gods are the same or that they're all one, because there are, of course, like, different emanations and everything, but what what spirituality comes down to is, like, can you do a ritual, can you be around people who raise your energy and just, you have to tap into what works for you. If, like, you're, 
if you're doing magic and you have an altar to Venus just because she's the goddess of love, because someone told you she's the goddess of love, but you don't really feel connected to Venus, nothing's going to happen. But if you really feel connected to to Jesus or to whatever, and you also feel connected to Oya or whoever else, when you tap into like what you're really connected to, that's when that's when you really commune with like with spirit and that's when things I think really change mm-hmm. I mean and I still pray daily I'm still yeah uh you know honoring God and uh, you know I in my prayers with um in Jesus name amen amen um but I also have my crystals that I carry with me on like really big days and big stressful days yeah. um like I've got jade in my pocket right oh, now yes. and it's like because it's it's a smooth kind of flat stone and it feels good just to rub it in my hand yeah. and I feel relaxed. Uh, a few, a couple of weeks ago, I was just like really stressed. So I had amethyst in my pocket and it just, I, I, you know, I can't tell anybody, yes, this works. You know, if it's like, it's going to work by itself or if you have to believe in it. But I, even when I forget that I have a particular stone in my pocket or in my purse or something, I notice and I'll, you know, go home at the end of the day and I'm cleaning out my pockets and my purse and I'll pull it out. I was like, oh, I wonder if this is why yeah. I reacted this way to whatever happened today, which would not have been my normal reaction if I hadn't felt kind of more balanced or whatever with the stone. So I don't know, but I, I trust it. And I guess that's kind of going back to what you were saying, like if you believe and if you know that it's there and that it's speaking to you, it'll work. Listening to your body is a really good way to get figure out what works for you mm-hmm. because when you feel relaxed in your body, that's a good indication that things are going well. Yeah. And people, I think, really discount our, our um, somatic experiences, but it's such an important thing to tap into because when you have a feeling in your stomach, like that's a body feeling and you have to listen to it, whether it's a bad feeling or a good one or a feeling of like, this stone makes me feel like confident. Mm -hmm. That's a feeling that you can really feel like in your body and emotionally and mentally. So anyway, I feel like I'm rambling. No, no, because um, one guy I dated very briefly, he collected um, crystals and he handed me one and I was like, oh, I don't like this one. Yeah. You know, like totally. And I was just like, it feels really weird in my hand. I don't want it. And Uh I immediately gave it back to him. And he, for him, he said it worked. He loved it, you know, and he would like, fiddle with it all the time and had it set up on his um, windowsill and all that but I was like no it's it's like like a tuning fork against my bones you know just like this really unpleasant uh, kind of feeling and I was like no I don't want that at all do you have a favorite crystal um like I said right now is the jade um before that it is um oh gosh this yellow the citron. Citrine. Citrine. Yeah. yeah. I like that one. Um, I, and I love that one. Too. I put it next to me sometimes when I'm journaling. Uh, I feel like it helps me get stuff out onto the page. I don't know why, because it's not really for that necessarily, because it's kind of more of a... I associate it with money and work, but yeah. you probably know more than... I have my own wild ideas about things. To me, citrine yeah. is a big glass of orange juice, like freshly squeezed yummy orange juice it makes me think of like the sun Mm -hmm. and gold and just feeling good and feeling sunny and when I feel good and sunny I'm able to express myself and express my creativity Mm. and to shine and you're a writer so I think it makes sense and helps you shine and express yourself yeah Yeah, and I mean and I make my money from writing exactly (laughs) that's it all comes together so yeah yeah, I would I'm the citrine I would put and sometimes um oh what's the little it's like a silvery one with pyrite. Yes, 
so sometimes when I'm like trying to sign a contract or something, I'll take that one with me and, and have it in my pocket because I think it's supposed to be good for prosperity and finances yeah. or something like that. You're so intuitive. I, you know, I just go into the store and I try to follow where. From the crystal to the tornadoes, I. I would trust you. Know, people, people don't think that Aries people are psychic, but Aries is an is extremely true? psychic sign. Yes, everyone thinks Aries is a jock. Oh, really? No, you both yeah. are psychic no, as well. We are very psychic people. So what my friends do, um, they'll have me look at a guy, because I can tell like what kind she, of lover he's going to be. She does this for every single person I date. Yeah, so <laughs> they'll send me pictures of a guy, like if it's on a dating app or something like that, and like, what do you think about him? And I'll be like, oh, he's not going to be good, or he's going to be great. And like most of the time, I'm correct. Yeah, that's that's literally Annabelle to me. <laughs> she has a boyfriend, but I'm single, and she's always right. It's a little... <laughs> yeah. I want to talk to you about your book, but... Yeah. For whatever it's worth, I think it's totally cool, and I, I I don't know much about Christianity, I admit, so forgive me if I misspeak, but using witchcraft and Jesus, mm-hmm. I've kind of been doing that recently from a opposite end, as in I wasn't raised Christian and don't know much about it, but my grandmother recently passed, who I was so close with, and so... I've been doing like and she was very Christian. And right? she yeah, she mm-hmm. was she was a Methodist, she was very Christian. Mm-hmm. And I've been, you know, doing rituals for her and like ancestor work and so I've and I know that she worshiped Jesus and how important Jesus was to her. So I found myself praying and talking and working with Jesus because it seems like the most direct <laughs> route to my grandma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's neat. Yeah. Um I mean, if it's, again, if it's working, if it feels right. Yeah. It's all about what feels right. Yeah. 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 So, I think keep doing it. So, you wrote a beautiful, beautiful book called Lilith But Dark. And I was, like, reading it, trying to find one to read on air and ask you about. And and it could be, I could open to any page, honestly. But to start, (laughs) who is Lilith But Dark? Okay, so Lilith is... She's a figure in Judeo-Christian belief, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Primarily more so in Judaism. Um, But she is considered to be the first woman before Eve, right? And so Lilith wanted to have sex with Adam on top. And Adam freaked out about it. He did (laughs) not... He did not think that he that she should be on top, right? And so he complained to God, and God kicked. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> because she did not know her place, right? And so uh, he complained to God. Oh my God! Yeah. This is too real. This is like I, I believe in right. the Bible. All right, like this is accurate, 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 accurate. Um, and so. <laughs> Some folklore then take Lilith to be the mother of succubi, of the succubus figure, which is this, like, sex demon, right? In order to survive, they come to to men in their dreams and drain them. They give them these sex sex dreams and drain them of their souls in these dreams. Yeah, so that is Lilith, this... I like her. Mother of sex demons. Um, and I kind of felt drawn to her because sometimes I feel like a succubus. Like I get with a guy and, you know, he's so enamored. He's so in love. And, you know, I feel maybe like I'm draining him because he'll wake up one day and he's like, oh, no, I can't keep doing this. And then he'll that just go. to me, too. Yeah. Fuck my... What hey, is it? I don't know. I don't know. But it's like you have to 
find somebody with a soul first, right? <laughs> That's the hard part. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is very challenging. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've had my first, I don't know, 15 years of dating life, I was trying to be the good girl, right? Again, Southern, you have to be, show that you're going to be a good wife, right? I come from a place where people marry their high school sweethearts and all this kind of stuff. And so I was trying to do that. I had this whole, like, list of goals, right? That I was uh-huh. going to go to college, go to grad school, get my PhD. I finished with that by 26, be married at 28, have all my children by 34, you know, that kind of thing. Yes. I had all that, you know, and then it was not happening. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and it felt, it no longer felt good to have those goals, not just because they weren't happening, but because I felt like, there has to be more. Like, I want more. Not just, like, relationship, but also just, just flat out sexually. Like, yeah. You know, I would try to... Get, <clears throat> excuse me. I would try to get my boyfriends to, you know, let's do something a little... And it's not even kinky, necessarily. Just, like, let me tie you up. And they Sister would freak out. so prude. So prudish. Well, who's so prude? Cis men. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like I always read about, like cis men doing kinky things and I'm like where <laughs> you thought you could do texting that all the time <laughs> and it's like you know I'm like let me tie you up or let me blindfold you again just something that's kind of like uh-huh. just like barely getting into yeah, kinky yeah, stuff yeah. but they wouldn't trust me but would want me to do it right they, they would think that I was gonna like fuck them in the ass and I'm like but that's what they would want to do to me because they you know they knew that I was not comfortable with that. So they would try to, like, take advantage of me if I were in a vulnerable position. So they assumed that I would try to take advantage of them in a similar vulnerable position. And I'm like, no, I just want to be in control. I just want to, like... Be Lilith. Yes. Be, yes. Yeah. And they were just like, no. And so that frustrated me. And I was like, I can't commit myself, marry somebody who can't trust me to not hurt him in this very vulnerable moment, you know, but expects me to trust him not to you know take advantage of me or whatever yeah i don't know where i was going i'm sorry i rambled i don't know what was um, oh lilith oh so yeah so that's kind of what lilith is um and the book is about all those different relationships and how um and not just like personal or romantic relationships but also like through childhood and how we form these ideas of what relationships should be from our childhood interactions so yeah so it's kind of like looking at how i became the woman that i am with with the poems in this book yeah yeah do you have a favorite poem i mean i'm sure they're all your favorite but oh my gosh i don't um do you have a favorite poem for witches because our audience are are either witches or people which curious which um i have one that's called mythological and it is that one i love that one let's see if i can find it uh oh yeah so that one is just like it's kind of a list poem because it's all the things that people have called me. So, like one friend, she called me a witch. This is my friend Cynthia that I would do rituals with. She called me a witch and told, um, and that's how I start the poem. A woman called me a witch, told me don't ignore the conjurer within. Because for a while I was like, I think these things and then they happen, or you know, I'm I dream them and then they happen to go back to like that psychic kind of stuff. Um, and so she's she was like because you're a conjurer, you're a woman, and you have this power, this divinity in you, and it's calling forth stuff. So I was like, huh, I guess I need to honor that and respect that. And then 
boyfriends have one boyfriend accused me of practicing voodoo one um boyfriend well he wasn't really boyfriend but he was like almost you know Mm -hmm. he he told me I was a hag you know that he had like I was sitting on his chest so all this kind of stuff and then like you know these Greek mythological figures pop up because I'm kind of into Greek mythology as well so that's what mythological is about just like a combination of all these things so that's I guess that's my favorite slash most witchy Will you read it for us? Um, Sure. Mythological. Last week, a woman called me a witch, told me don't ignore the conjurer within. The year before that, a lover, redheaded and guttural, hung the word hag between us, said I sat on his chest too often in the night, took his breath, made him want to go over. A country boy once poisoned me with his pretty, pretty mouth, but I remained on this side. He would wake us both, the second best part of him inside the seventh best part of me, said I kept walking in his dreams. I have crashed men against me, my waves lapping up their wrecked offerings. They have no wax to save themselves, but I have the rope, golden sometimes, to bind them. Um, <laughs> so beautiful. Thank That's you. So beautiful. Uh, yeah, so I had two boyfriends who started uh, sleep fucking while we were together. So, like, instead of sleepwalking, I would wake up and then... Um, and they're fucking you. Yes. Yeah, that's happened to me, too. Yeah. yeah. And it's really strange. So, of course, they're, like, freaking out. And uh-huh. I'm like, no, you woke me up. And they're like, no, I was asleep. And I was like, I... <laughs> you know, and it kept happening. So, of course, they looked at me like I was doing something. That's um, always our fault. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I can't help it if, you know, you're dreaming about me so intently that you start fucking me. And luckily, we had, like, talked about those kinds of things before. So, I didn't feel like my consent had been taken from me or anything like that so it was fine for what it was but it was still just like a strange thing for Uh them so yeah so that's kind of where some of that stuff came from yeah I had an ex-boyfriend do that and he just like no memory of it the next morning I'm like do you remember when you woke up and like fucked me really hard (laughs) at like 1 30 and he was like, what? we didn't have sex last night. We came home from work and crashed. I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> we had sex and he just like no memory. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's strange. Yeah, but... it is. It is. Yeah. May I ask you about a poem that I found very inspiring? Sure. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I got from this is that to get, not to, I'm going to get personal, but you've felt pain from men. Mm-hmm. Which can feel like a knife in the chest. Mm. But you are so strong, and I want to be as strong as you. (laughs) This poem is called The Thought That Counts. Oh, yeah. Men press their lips to the length of my scar. It's how they tell me I'm still pretty. I feel those kisses with open eyes. The flesh is dead there. If I lower lashes to cheek... I won't know what they're doing. Can't sigh like they want, but I want to close my eyes and hide. These men with their mouths against my unfeeling skin hope to heal me with their touch, but they belong to no king, have no king's horses, and I have already put myself back together. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So when I was 25, my spleen mysteriously ruptured. Uh, the doctors could not figure out why 
it was a big thing and I was in the hospital for a week um, and they um, and at the time I was in grad <clears throat> excuse me at the time I was in grad school so I had no health insurance so I went to like the you know the little cheap community hospital that they yeah. send people to um, and so they opened me up from right under my boobs to right to my crotch so like just yeah. the whole torso so I have this long scar that bisects my whole torso and then maybe like six months after that I had some complications from that surgery and so they had to go back in through that same scar so it's not um pretty but it is a sign that I'm still here right yeah um so a lot of times men kiss it because they think that they're doing something for me you know they think that they're telling me you're still beautiful it's like okay but I can't feel anything because it's scar tissue right so there's no feeling there and it's just I understand why they're doing this but I don't need them to do it it doesn't do anything for me and it's maybe like the one thing that I will give men now because like I don't fake orgasms anymore like I haven't done that since my 20s it's probably the one thing that I will kind of I guess still lie about I guess for lack of a better word you know just kind of to make them feel good so I I don't want to take that from them that they're at least trying to show that they're okay with my scar but I don't need them to be okay with it because I'm okay with my scar yeah they need to kiss you where it counts where you can feel it it. yes exactly and if they (laughs) happen to kiss you there you'll let it go yes but they really ought to kiss you where it counts that says so much to so many things about men trying to show that they're like cool with something about you when you're like yeah I know yeah like like I know it's fine I know I'm awesome like like I thank you but like yes uh it's like um dating now um so I have a podcast and um sometimes when I'm dating you know the guy will ask me about it and I'll tell him and then he'll go to listen to something and he'll come back to me he's like oh yeah you are pretty funny I'm like yeah I know (laughs) You don't have to tell me that, you know? And they're they're kind of like, oh, this was really interesting. I can't believe what you're talking about. That's so fascinating. Like, yeah, I know. Like, that's why I have the podcast. That's why it does fairly well. That's why, you know, people listen to me. I don't need you to tell me it's good. Like, I know it's good. And I know my audience of primarily women know that it's good. And it always just comes across kind of condescending, like, well, it's also like they're dating you. They should know that you're funny. They get yes. they get to sit across from you at a dinner table yes. or have like a beer with you or whatever. They already get to experience you being funny. So like, why is it just like, like the idea yeah. that their approval like our listeners and God Annabelle? I won't shut the fuck up about this, but like I'm a sex writer, you mm-hmm. know. So I write about explicit sex yeah. for a livelihood. And sometimes, you know, I'll do, like, a kink demo at a magazine thing. And the thing is, I made my dreams come true. I write about sex and relationships for, like, every single magazine these men's mom have, like, ever heard of. Like, Mm -hmm. I know I'm successful, and I know I did well, and I'm proud of myself. But I still have these guys from across the spectrum, like... Yeah, you know, like, 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 I'm cool with it. Like, I could see it being weird dating a sex writer, but, like, I'm, you know, I'm not like that. Like, I don't let society, like, get to me like that. And a lot of the time it ends up being bullshit, which does hurt, and so I'm yeah. trying to become more cool with myself. Mm. But I was just thinking about that, like, like, why they feel the need to tell me that they're chill with something when I'm like, no, this is who I am. What? Yeah. I don't, yeah. 
And I guess for me, because my podcast is so um, woman-centered, and I, like, I guess people, you know, they think that, oh, this is just for women, and then they listen to it, and it's like, oh, I actually enjoyed that. Because, heaven forbid, a man enjoys something that women enjoy, right? I know. Not you like know, we're men expected... message me all the time at my horoscopes asking if they can read them. What? And I'm like, yes, you can. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Men are so strange. Uh, before you go, mm-hmm. I would love it if you could tell our listeners where they can find you on all the things and how they can listen to you and get more of your work. Okay. Um, they can find me on Twitter at Tennessee Whiskey Woman, and that is T-N, Whiskey with an E, Woman. Um, let's see. The podcast is Thursday Kit, and that is, the Twitter for that is at Thursday Kit. Um, and my website is NicolePerkins.com, N-I-C-H-O-L-E-P-E-R-K-I-N-S. Um, yeah, that's where I am. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. This is fun. Thank you. Fun. And thank you for Yay! writing this book. It meant thank a lot you. to read it. Thank you. Yeah.